Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Michael DiPietro and Marcy Donnelly, who are the co-authors of the Inside Guide. Michael, Marcy, how are you guys doing today? Fantastic. This is uh, really a treat to be here, and we're going to have a great time today. So thank you so much for your invitation. Yeah, no, of course. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. And we like to jump right in. So I want to start with just hearing a little bit more about you guys, just a quick one, two minutes about who you are, what you like to do for fun, and then we'll dive into the book. How's that sound? That sounds great. So I'll, I'll jump and then I'll hand it over to Marcy. Um, so I've been doing transformative work for about 20, 30 years. I'm an older guy, um, but uh, really help people support and get where they want to go by clearing the patterns that hold us back. So that's really uh, the essence of what my work is about. And I've taken a spiritual journey that has uh, taken me through many modalities over the years. And so I've always just collected these different tools in my toolbox to be more effective in how I work with my clients. Um, And then I'd say for fun, I love uh, the outdoors, camping, uh, road trips, just, uh, you know, we get busy in our life. So when I get those moments where I can be footloose and fancy free, that's what that's what I love doing (laughs) when I can break away (laughs) from all the obligations. (laughs) There we go. Love to hear it. Yeah. So, uh, Marcy, why don't you take it? So, yeah, thanks to me for having us. Um, My story is that I'm in finance by trade. I'm a project manager and and, uh, kind of been in banking for my whole career, but I've always been interested in self-improvement, learning new um, hobbies, things that can make my life easier. And about five years ago, I got to the point I was successful in my job, I had family, and I just kind of still felt like something was missing. I could reach goals, but it wasn't super easy. And so that's when I started working um, with Michael. It's it's uh, so it's a a fun story. And I just uh, like I said, I'm happily married, have two boys, uh, and a great job. And what my passion is, though, is this work for self improvement. And I've learned lots of modalities and and lots of tools on my own for my own practice. Um, but my life really shifted and things started coming more easily to me once I started working with Michael several years ago. Um, for fun, I love to do stuff uh, with family. I love to entertain, cook. And uh, over the last year and a half, I discovered hot yoga. So I have been uh, down deep in yoga in down dogs and uh, appreciating kind of that solitude and that meditative time. So that surprisingly enough, I do that for fun. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There, hot yoga. What's the temperature usually when you're doing it? Yeah, it's usually between like 98 and 105. Mm. So it really tests kind of your uh, boundaries on how comfortable you are. But that also is kind of an inner journey and uh, has helped me through uh, figuring out how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. There we go. There we go. Well, tell us about the inside guide. What is the book about? Kind of walk us through it. Sure. So like I said, I've been doing this work for 20 years and I really wanted to collect all these tools and put them in one place for readers to really gain the benefits of, of my journey and, and all these different tools. So the book is put together almost like a framework uh, to give people a self-directed inner journey. Um, it really takes people through the, through the journey and the, starting with the labyrinth of the mind and how to really get our own answers, how to listen intuitively, internally. Um, Then we get into the unconscious mind and the aspects of the body, our physiology, and really how people are creating their own realities. So whether, whether we have resources, things that are working well, or obstacles in our life, it's created in a mental, uh, a a mental pattern in based in your neural network. And so when we can unpack that and understand how the mind is creating each experience, we have the opportunity just to metaphorically move the wires around and shift people's outcomes, shift people's experience. And so when you do that, you can 
remove a lot of blocks, remove a lot of things that are getting in the way. And then in the third part of the book, we, we call it living purpose. And it's really about getting into the spiritual aspects of living and really getting to each person's enlightenment, getting to that loving mystical core, the center of each person, and really trusting that all the guidance you're looking for is coming with, from within you. So it's it's really ultimately teaching people to be their own guide, right? And so I'm a guide. I work with people and we always need outside help. But ultimately, the ultimate empowerment is getting people so that they know they're in source of power. They know they're the source of goodness. They know themselves and can trust their own intuition. So that's that's the real essence of the book. Um, it's, it's a journey and it's a different journey for everyone based on their uniqueness. So we try to give the framework and we try to give it in a way that, uh, allows, like at the beginning of the book, we say, if, if, if you like a tool, use it, if you don't like it, throw it out because we're not preaching here. What we're doing is just trying to give you a framework so you can find your own inner guidance. I gotcha. And so the second part was really getting into the brain, being able to be aware of that and rewire. The third part was becoming your own guide. And what was the first part again? Was it getting into the body and feeling? First part is getting through your mind and how the mind, see, our minds are brilliant. I mean, our minds think and do all these wonderful things. I'm communicating. I'm using my mind to speak right now. Uh, But sometimes when we want to get deeper, the mind is getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Right. So it actually can run interference. We can uh, have a judging mind. So we really want to begin to get through that practice acceptance, um, practice uh, questioning and an inquiry process with ourselves so that we learn to direct our attention inward. You know, we're we're a very external society. We, we've been trained through social media, through relationships, through all these different things through entertainment to find our our answers outside of ourselves. And so when we can learn to turn that attention and focus inward and learn the inner terrain, right? And how to navigate that. The first step is is understanding your own mind and how it works. And so we really bring people, and I call it a labyrinth because it is like a puzzle sometimes in the beginning to understand the mind. Um, As we go deeper though, we get into the unconscious mind. And you can think of the conscious mind as like an iceberg. And what you can see above the surface is your conscious mind. But most of the iceberg, most of our experience is stuff we are unaware of that's operating below the surface of our awareness. And so a lot of the tools and techniques are how to get people into, how do you become conscious of the unconscious, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I love it. And so getting through your mind, kind of understanding it, then to the rewiring of it and then to the becoming your own guide. Is that right? Yeah. And it's really the guidance is all the way through. But the the, the last part is also about um, how to live. You know, it's, we call it finding purpose, living purpose. And it's, it's really not just like you're going to have this flash and it's going to be this ultimate purpose, but how to live it in your everyday life. Um, maybe uh, I'm going to let Marcy talk about it, but we have a... a a metaphor about the mountaintop in the village. So I want to turn it over to Marcy to share a little bit about the mountaintop in the village. There we go. Yeah, thanks, Michael. And I was just thinking of a good example as I think, uh, you know, often, you know, everybody has found their piece, uh, place of peace. And this is kind of that mountaintop experience. Um, so you you get to a place where you think like, gosh, I'm reaching my goals, I'm attaining what I want, I'm getting opportunities, I'm kind of, we call it like being in the flow. Um, and that you feel like so incredibly charged up. And then you have to go from the mountaintop back to the village. And so you have to take what my challenge was, is I would spend a weekend or studying something or get really jazzed on a book or a podcast. And then all of a sudden I'd have to go back into my daily life. And by, you know, a day or two later, I would have lost it. And I go online and I see, you know, I'm comparing myself to others, or I see things going on on social media that I'm kind of missing out on. And you kind of get a little bit of that FOMO. And, and it's like, then those feelings arise again. So then I'm back to the village and what happened to that experience where I felt like everything was flowing. 
So the tools in the book help you start to digest and better understand kind of what triggered that and what things are happening in your mind and what is your body, what's your unconscious self or what's happening in your body um, that caused that reaction. So really, we're kind of building our experience outside of us, but it's all being processed through our mind, through our body. And then we have the spirit, kind of our life purpose and who we truly are that we are kind of yearning to express. And so it's uh, that's kind of what the book does is it combines all of that into one so you could self-reflect and first identify that, gosh, I was triggered because it's something happening within me, not something out on social media. It's like that just caused a reaction in me. And that kind of pulls you off the mountaintop. And so that's what I was asking Michael when we first started working together is like, I have everything. I, of course, would like more, but... I still don't feel that consistent joy because all of a sudden it's like something online, something, a, a promotion I don't get or something that a friend is going through. It pulls me back um, off that mountaintop. And I wanted that experience and flow every day of my life. And that's what this work has to offer. Mm, I gotcha. And so the two experiences, the mountaintop is like, you know, go to a Tony Robbins event and you're like real jazzed on that Tony Robbins event. And that's the weekend. And you walked across the hot stones or whatever they do. And yeah. um, so you're feeling good, but then Monday comes and you got to go back to maybe your nine to five or you're running a business and it's been stressful because COVID just happened. And yeah, maybe you have a spouse and there's some stress there. And so that's back to the village. And are you guys talking about keeping that, mountaintop experience alive while you're in the village by connecting to it in daily life am i understanding that correctly that's right that's right it's 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 not so much that you're going to always stay in that state but how to how to bring that down into your daily life mm. and it's it's see a lot of times we're grasping at it right but once once we have the experience we know it and then the the village life is how do we integrate it? How do we begin to live from that place? It, it, it might mean we still have a day of stress or something happens, you know, I get my button pushed here or there. It's, it's not about being perfect and trying to hold on to that state because that's, that's unrealistic. But more and more, how do you integrate it? And what is the path and the tools to bring those peak experiences into your everyday life? Right. And that's part of the journey, because many of us, many of us, especially at this point in our evolution as a society, many of us have had peak experiences and many of us have had moments of clarity or moments like Marcy said, where we're in flow and it's it's clicking. Right. But then a lot of people get tripped up because they lose they lose it. Yeah. Right. It goes away. Right. And that's OK. That's the, the thing is, that's OK. We're not the grasping can be very counterproductive. Yeah. And so when we, when we learn to surrender to ourself, to, to the process that's going on internally, the journey becomes richer. It becomes deeper. The everyday moment, like, like how do we show up right now in this moment? Right. And yeah. it's like, is like, like right now I'm getting excited just talking about it and feeling that enthusiasm for the process and, and to live this way more consciously every, every moment. Right. Yeah. Right. I, so life, that, I was going to say life gets easier too. That's the amazing thing is, you know, when you just have a day and you wake up and everything is, I call it flow, but everything's working out and you run into someone and somebody buys you coffee or you get a phone call that you were waiting for and things just, and you're like, gosh, today was a great day. There's like Michael said, it's not like that necessarily every day guaranteed life's going to be perfect, but things seem to work out easier when you're in your kind of flow state. And the beautiful thing, which is uh, why this may be a little bit different is that it's different for each of us. So that's why we're looking for like the 21 day habit. We're looking for the course we're looking for. And some of those things we've collected as tools that I, I continue to use. Um, however, I could have all those tools, but if I didn't understand what drives me and what trips me up, because I may have this fantastic like stretch idea of where I want to be in five years. But if I have programming inside of me that's unconsciously stopping me, it's going to be really hard to reach that. 
where if I can overcome that and shift my state to being ready and open and living from that place, then all of a sudden stuff comes up. It's kind of mystical, magical thinking, but that's kind of that third state is when you could really represent and show up with all of your tools, gifts, and talents and do you the way that the way that you were born to be yourself, stuff seems to work out easier. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, just a quick, like, <laughs> I guess a quick little programming versus goals. Like one way this showed up in my life, this was so wild when this happened to me. It happened very recently, probably within the past four months or so, just on a podcast, I was talking with somebody and they were just talking about something. It wasn't even directly related to the belief that I had, but um, long story short, back in the past, you know, you ask for Skittles when you're at the store as a child and then your parents ask you, do you have Skittles money? It's like, well, no, I'm a child. I don't have any money, but <laughs> In my head, I'm like, well, clearly it's painful for, the, for them to spend money, right? And so I started to internalize that belief. And that had been affecting me my, my whole life. And what happened was, not only was I internalizing that belief that it was painful for me to spend money. So obviously, when you're pinching pennies, you're saving, you're like doing all this stuff because money hurts to spend. So you try not to spend it. It manifests in that way. But the other way it manifested was in trying to do business, I would project that belief onto people. And then I'd be like, well, if it hurts me to spend money, clearly it hurts them to spend money too. And so then it got really hard to sell things because I wasn't looking at sales as service. I was looking at sales as me causing somebody else pain because it hurts them to spend money. And so then I was like, um, well, if I'm causing them pain and I'm a good person and good people don't cause people pain, like there was some conflict there and there was some wiring that was just off. And when I realized that I was just sitting on a podcast and the thought just dawned on me <laughs> and it was just like, whoa, because I had been trying to like get to my beliefs around money and get awareness and the acceptance and the questioning and inquiry, some of the stuff you guys mentioned earlier, but I hadn't hit that point. And when I realized that it was like, it was almost instantaneous. I was like, that's not even, that's like not true at all. Like, I don't know why I've been operating like that. And so um, that's just something I thought of when you were talking about five-year goals versus wiring and how that can, there can be a decision. Yeah, that's a beautiful example of, of uncovering those unconscious beliefs. You know, so much that holds us back, any of us, is rooted in lies we believed as a child. And a lot of times it's done with a positive intent. We're not, we're not consciously believing something, but mommy and daddy are in a certain state and you know, that causes, you know, a child at two or three is the center of the universe. So they're going to make, let's say, mommy and daddy are stressed out. And at two or three, there I am. I'm going to be the cause of mommy and daddy's stress. And that's mm -hmm. what the child ends up internalizing. And so when we can get to moments like that and unpack that and revise it and realize it doesn't have to be right. You, you know, mommy and daddy were having their own experience and it wasn't about you. But here's here's a, a hitch in that. A lot of times if the child isn't adequately mirrored in childhood, they deeply want it to be about them. Mm -hmm. So we find ways to make it about ourselves, even if it's a lie. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. what we want is the deeper love and attention in our life. That's what we're really yearning for. And so a lot of times people will hold these limitations as a way to try to be back in self. How do I affirm self, right? Yeah. And so we are doing that throughout the first two parts of the book is making it all about self, about the, the reader and about what they get. But then in the third part, we ask people to, and I, I use this term lightly, but get over yourself basically, you know, because then it's, it's like at a certain point, if you're self, 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 you, you get self-absorbed, right? And then to really live our purpose, we have to get out of ourselves. We have to begin to see we have a place in the world, that there's needs out there and other people out there. And that's where we really unfold into our purpose in life is um, in no longer, no longer. That's why sometimes it's hard for me to answer questions about myself because I'm like, I, 
I'm 58. I'm I'm kind of done with self. It's it's a, it's a bit overrated for me. You know, I'm, I want to focus on on everyone else now because <laughs> that's where I get more joy. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, but I had to I had to take the journey of self to clear all those patterns. Right. And I still have to go back to self sometimes if I get if I still get triggered on something, you know, I'm not fully enlightened. But but most of the time, I don't I don't need to affirm myself. I, I'd rather affirm other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of helping out other people, serving other people, people are going to be furious with me if we don't get into these tools and tactics. <laughs> so <laughs> if you guys are willing, of course, Let's go ahead and jump into some of those. What are some of the tools and tactics for that first stage getting through your mind? Sure. Um, the, the first step is, is inquiry, we call it. Okay. And that means um, in is inquiry, it's an inner direction. So you have everybody in the world has attention. And right now with social media, with everything in the world, attention has become a commodity. It's yep. become something everyone's trying to get right and so you're what i want to tell to every listener out there is your attention is very valuable and every listener you are very valuable yeah right so take that attention that you put on every anything outside yourself and let's begin to take the journey of self let's turn that attention and begin to notice internally what's happening. Okay. As you do that, we want to make a distinction between who you are and what you experience. Okay. So, so you are not what you experience. You are the one who experiences it. Okay. Now, any experience, anything you could possibly experience in life is put together by the components of your physical sensations, your emotions, and your thought processes and your belief systems. Okay, those are the building blocks of experience. Yep. Okay, so then we, when we can decouple, now the problem is for a lot of people is they say, I feel bad today, therefore I am bad today, right? And they get linked up with the experience. So that's the first step is decoupling who you are from what you think, feel, or do, right? If, if I didn't achieve the 10 tasks on my to-do list today, that means I'm a bad person, right? Well, that's not true because that's just a behavior and you are not the behavior. Yeah. Now, of course, we want to get all things done, but a lot of times the behavior is rooted in what we feel. So there's a natural motivation or a natural enthusiasm to complete the task, right? And then our feelings, believe it or not, are generated by what we think and believe is happening. Yeah. Right. So we can begin to go and unpack any experience. So if someone's feeling stressed, if someone's feeling motivated or unmotivated, if someone's feeling depressed or anxious, we can go in and find out how the brain is doing that. Mm -hmm. And then we can decouple it from who the person is and begin to one, shift the experience and then two, begin to recognize and see who is that brilliant, wonderful, capable, awesome person behind any experience. Right. There's, yeah. there's a brilliant, beautiful human being back there just waiting to be discovered. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so it's a I recognition. So a lot of what I'm doing is seeing all that for the person, helping them unpack the experience and revise it and get experiences that work better. I'm curious what you guys would say to this. I could easily hear somebody after what you just said to me saying, well, how do I know that the person behind all the doing, feeling, thinking, and believing is actually a beautiful person? Mm. I'll just, can I, at the beginning of the book, and I'll, I'll admit it's my quote, uh, I, what struck me is when the, it, within the first five or 10 minutes of sitting down for my first session, 
with Michael. He said, what do you want to work on? And I said, well, I have all these things and I'm still not happy. And I said, there's just something broken. I've, I've spent thousands of dollars on workshops and conferences and books and, um, you know, help, but I, there's something in me that's broken. And uh, I think it's the first quote in the book where he said, there's nothing broken. You are not broken and there's nothing that needs to be fixed. Yeah. And that really like literally threw me back in my chair. And I said, you know, but I've spent a lot of money <laughs> trying to fix what's broken. And that was really a reset. And it was the first time where um, that was kind of implanted in me to now work from a place of it's not me that's broken. I've been conditioned. I have all these identities like I identify as a producer. I get stuff done. That's my job. I've been successful at it, but I'm also someone who wakes up in the middle of the night with a to-do list and I can't go back to sleep, which isn't fun and I don't want to work from there. So in really starting to learn, and that's the beauty of the work, is you really start to learn like who you are, like who we are each so different. So to learn that even without my to-do list, I'm going to produce and that it's not, I don't need to keep pushing myself incessantly and nonstop. And, and I think um, Jack Canfield and Michael were talking and they talked about how it's almost like you're driving with your foot on the gas and the brake pedal at the same time. Like you want to go, 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 but you don't realize there's this unconscious stuff slowing, slowing you down. And once you could realize like, gosh, now I'm going to get curious about what is truly me and what's one of these like false identities or beliefs that I've learned as a way, as my conditioning, as a way that I think this is how I'm successful. And it just like after that first two hour session with him, I just felt like, like this weight lifted off my shoulders because I thought I really don't have to work this hard to get stuff done because I get stuff done anyways as part of who I am. And so it was uh, like a, a simple example like that that really was the beginning of my transformation and shifting. I gotcha. I gotcha. I heard a a little bit of um, there was a perspective shift there, right? Nothing's broken. Then there was also kind of like an inherent acceptance of who you are with that nothing is broken. So it's like, because nothing is broken, I can accept me as I am. And that is what really empowered that um, kind of shift there. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you can imagine for every, a lot of us, I won't say for everyone, but there's the person you were born to be. And then there's the person we had to learn to be to adapt to our upbringing. And so that second thing is is called a conditioned identity or a false identity and that adaptation is not who we really are but that's how a lot of people identify themselves so when you ask the question who am i it, it goes into a lot of times the adaptation all right when we can begin to unravel that there's there's a, a process and it takes some time to do that but as we unravel that we begin to get an experience of ourselves in our natural state. And it's, it's somewhat hard to describe, but it's for, for me, when I'm there, I'm not self-conscious anymore. I don't, it's, it's almost like I'm just naturally flowing from an inner state. Um, you know, you could call it love. You're, you're loving nature as a human being like yeah. that that you're a loving, caring being, and then all this stuff gets in the way that, that gets in the way of that, okay? But I, I don't know if it's just part of my gift as, as, as a, you know, what I was born to do, but when I'm with someone in a session, I can see that in them. And so I have an inquiry process, and then eventually you can learn to do it yourself, but what I'm doing is asking them questions so that they can discover that place in themselves. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's an inquiry that I'm doing into the person. So they know their beauty. They know they can begin to get a direct experience of that. But it, the way to do that is uncovering, you know, like the light. If you have windows and light shining through a window, you're the light. But if there's a lot of dust and dirt on the windows, it gets hard to see the light coming through. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I so like all we're doing in the process is just cleaning the windows, cleaning the windows. And then the light naturally shines through and people go, oh, my God, this is the person I've always been. And it's the person I've always wanted 
the world to see me as, but all that dirt on the windows was in the way and I couldn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. You just come up with that right now or is that in the book? Uh, no, I've used that before. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, we got inquiry as the tool and um, for the first stage, which is decoupling who you are from what you think, feel, or do through that kind of questioning inquiry process and some of that acceptance we talked about. Are there more tools that you guys want to talk about for that first stage or should we move to the tools for stage two? Yeah, so it's it's really inquiry and acceptance kind of go hand in hand. So acceptance, because of what we're going to start to do is in the third stage, we call it transformation, right? And that's where we're really getting to the deeper change and uncovering things in the unconscious that we may not want to see. So there's there's pain points down there. There's shadow aspects of our personality. There's, you know, the dark monsters in the night that we we don't want to look at within ourselves. Um, if we have acceptance and inquiry and we're using those together, we can begin to face anything internally. Yeah. Right. And so most people, what they're doing is as it's a natural consequence of being human is we're avoiding pain. We don't, we don't want to be in pain. No one wants to be in pain, but if something was traumatic or difficult from our childhood, it gets buried deep down in the unconscious, in our past, in our memories. And then we just kind of go on with life and forget about it, but it's still operating and controlling us. And so the acceptance really helps us get into that and to be able to take a look at it without re-traumatizing, without making up a story about what it means to get in touch with that. And then when we can do that in that transformational piece, that's where we're really looking at how to rewire the brain. Okay. And yeah. a lot of it has to do with our memories operating as a filter for how we see ourselves and reality. Okay, let me repeat that because it bears repeating. A lot of it has to do with our memories operating as a filter. So everything from the past operates as a filter. So I'm wearing glasses. It's like if my past was blue and I have this blue filter, all of the world is going to look blue. Yeah. Right. Right. If I clear the blue off, suddenly things are much more clear. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> so your memory is operating as a filter for how you see the world currently. Is that what you're saying? Currently. Yeah. In our present day, it's it's and how we view ourselves, too. Huh. Right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I can see that. So I'm we, tracking. Ha we have a we have a. A log of everything that's happened in our past. And it gives us reference points. It helps us. It, we need our memories because like if 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 you didn't have them I and mean, you had to wake up tomorrow, you'd have to remember who you were again and, all, you know, and how to brush your teeth and all. So that process is is useful. But we also have a memory of pain and trauma and things that weren't so useful. Yep. Yep. Right. And so we begin to keep referencing that. And so the the pain and the trauma while the circumstances may be different they spiral through time into the present and into the future until we can spiral back and change the original pain point so you know let's say um mom and dad were busy and they didn't pay enough attention to me so therefore i believed i wasn't worth it okay that's an example and so that i'm not worth it belief gets implanted way down there and then I get on with life and then I'm wondering why I can't make enough money because deep down I'm believing I'm not worth it. Right. And, it, and, it, and our, our financial abundance has to do with our sense of worth and how much we're worth in life. Right. But when we can go back to the origin and, and realize, okay, you are worth it. It was mom and dad's problem and remake that memory. So the facts aren't going to change. Mom and dad are still distracted in the memory. But what can change is how the child felt about themselves and what they believed about themselves. And then we shift that so we get the person in the memory knowing they're worthy. See, this is the key, is getting the right piece of information in the right place in the brain. Mm. Now, tell me a little bit about 
the person in the memory getting it? Because like you're talking about making sure five year old Timmy gets that piece of information. Correct. Correct. <laughs> All right. Because, uh, you know, you Tim knows. I mean, Tim's done enough in a, a consciousness work. He has all the pieces. Right. Yeah. But why does the trigger keep happening? Or why does the problem? Because it's it's the piece of information is not in the right place in my brain. So when little Timmy begins to know what you know, then the change happens automatically. Then the memory is shifted. Mm. Okay, well, the next question for me is obvious. How do you <laughs> get the memory into, say I wanted to get a memory into five-year-old Timmy right now, how do you go about doing that? Five-year-old Timmy existed 19, 19 years ago. I'm a young okay. guy. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're speaking my language here. You're asking the best questions, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so imagine what he needs to hear in the present. So there's present day you, and then there's past Timmy down in the past somewhere. Okay. Okay. So you have this piece of information that he needs. Oh. Right. Okay. Now, when you remember yourself at five, how do you do that? How do you, how do you know? Is it an image in your mind? Do you hear something? Do you just have a feeling about it? How yeah, do you actually reference your memory? It's probably a, a feeling with a snapshot. Okay. So can you see the snapshot in your mind's eye? I can't remember back as little as five, but I got one from when I'm, when I'm 13. Okay. That's good. Good. Now, what I noticed also is when you, when you had that memory, your eyes looked a little down to kind of down and uh, I, I get my left and right. I'm a little dyslexic, but down into the left, I believe it is. Uh -huh. Yeah. So look down to that spot again. Okay. Yeah. So that's how your brain, it's one of the things that happens is when we think, and you can come back for a second, but we'll go back to that spot. When we think our brain, our eyes track our thoughts. And a lot of times when our eyes are up here, we're processing pictures in our mind, just like we can see externally, we can see internally too, or we're processing auditory information or we're processing feeling, okay. right? And so what, what we want to do is get to specific memories and then how look at how you're actually doing that. So when you do that and you look down there and you get the snapshot, the feeling comes up, right? So very true. It yeah. So we're <laughs> so what we're doing now is real time live unpacking the program for little Timmy. Yeah. Right? right. And you see how we start to actually get like more information than we could just kind of talking about it. We're actually doing it now, which is beautiful, beautiful. This is this is the way we want to go about it. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, I love it. You know, I've okay. I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot. And haven't heard, quite heard this, so. <laughs> yeah, this is the magic of our of our work, and this is what the, a lot of the book gives to people. So, um, of course, it helps to have a guide and someone you know to guide you through it in the beginning. But we we want people to learn how they're processing, how how it, not just what, but how it's happening. How do you put your reality together in this way? Okay, so let's let's help out little Timmy a little farther here. Um, what I want you to do is think of what he needed back then. You, you can just have it in your mind. You know, you can, if you feel comfortable sharing it, you can, but you can just have it internally too. Either way, it will work. It was a hug. Um, okay, good. So imagine what a hug feels like now. Like you've had hugs from your circle now, you know, your significant other or someone you care about, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, grab one of your arms. Okay. And what that is, is a prior receptive anchor. So that's going to lock the experience of what a hug feels like. And it's going to associate with the touch that you're doing here on your arm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now what I want you to do is keep that, keep that anchor there and move your eyes down to that other location and step inside of little Timmy in your, in your mind's eye okay. and bring that hug. Yeah. So he can feel what that feels like back then now. Yeah, you feel how the energy, do you feel what's happening for you right there? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> really, really weird that it's uh happened in real time like this. I've never uh yeah happened once or twice on a podcast, but with something different. So okay. that's really cool. Yeah, so and that's it was how media. We, I'm just I'm just letting media. everybody know. I'm not I'm not over here telling a story. <laughs> Good. So that's how we revise the past, and we keep bringing resources from the present. And then what you can do is we can also play in the future too, in our imagination and how we reference the future. So it's it's a lot of just how the brain is processing and everyone does it differently. Mm. So we have to kind of learn, like no one else is gonna have that same access that you did, that's unique to you, right? Yeah. But each person, we can we can see how someone is doing what they're doing and begin to work with their orientation and their reference point. I love it. Maybe that's a good example of uh, of why, like continuing to look outside of yourself for tools cannot overwrite what's going on inside yourself. So you can kind of fake it for a while and suppress feelings and, and you know, have practices. And there are some things that like you had a shift with the Skittles money. It's like you discovered that all on your own. It's the answers are inside. Um, but you can see why if you just kept doing like money affirmations or a money vision board or my, if you never went back and kind of reframed that Skittles experience, having a practice outside of yourself eventually, um, you know, fails or eventually, you know, it's possible that you wouldn't be as successful as when you actually were able to recognize what that limiting belief was or what that conditioning was um, because that's running. It's like our minds are these supercomputers and our bodies store these memories. And so you can try and externalize what you want, but if you don't go in, those things are running so fast that you don't even realize it all. You, you know, for me, I just realized like, gosh, why am I not getting, you know, the, the money or the, this or the, that it's because no matter how many times I affirm those outside of me until I went and understood those, you know, little Marcy uh, triggers and conditioning and were able to reframe those and tell her about how safe the world is and that I'm going to be fine. Um, I really couldn't truly change my behavior. And it becomes like, I can't even remember, Tim, like how I was five years ago, because that person seems so foreign. Um, because it, I mean, it just almost seems like a different person. I can't even connect to that person anymore. Because who I am inside and those beliefs have shifted, where I don't even have to try anymore. I don't have to think about it. Again, it's not always perfect. But the big things have shifted, which makes the little things easier to deal with kind of on my own. Yeah, I love that. That's really, I like how um, I've heard like, and I think we might have mentioned in this podcast, I'm not sure if we have or not, but like how stuff gets trapped in the body, like the experiences and the emotions and gets trapped. We did mention in this podcast for sure. And I thought it was interesting how when I was going back right there, I like knew exactly what I needed. Like I could, I could feel it again from that moment. I was like, Oh, I was like 13. I could see 13 or 14 year old Timmy in that moment talking to his parents about um, talking them through hard conversations and then feeling like, wow, I needed support there instead of trying to support everybody around me. I needed to oh. that. I was like supported and safe. Yeah. So that's what that hug was like. That's the hug was symbolic for. So I'm, you, you know, what you just, what you just shared with us there is, is, common for a lot of people that end up taking responsibility for things that aren't theirs right and then we wonder sometimes why responsibility feels a little weighted and it's because we're filled up with responsibility from the past and responsibility for our parents and like trying to take on all these things and and fix it it's done out of love it's done out of the best possible intent but it really ends up limiting us as individuals. Yeah. Right. So we have to see that our strategies for love when we were growing up aren't going to work. And that they don't have to work because once you know you care enough to have taken on that mission that never worked quite right to get your parents, you know, feeling better. Right. Yeah. But when you can see that the, the mission doesn't work, 
but you're the loving being that took on the mission. Yeah. Say, how, how great must your love be such that you would have taken on that difficult task? Yeah. That's who Timmy is right there. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> I like that a lot. Well, awesome. I um, I don't know. Did we? <laughs> I'm I'm flustered now. I, I'm out of question. I don't know, but you're you're glowing to me. So that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. So I I guess back to the we talked about rewiring the brain. We talked about I'm just gonna recap memory operating as a filter for how we see the world currently, how we view ourselves. You spiral back and you change the pain point by shifting the perspective of the memory and get the person in the memory to know the information they need to know. Having that perspective shift for the actual person in the memory, five-year-old you, 13-year-old you, 22-year-old you, whatever it is. And you really communicate that piece of information by like understanding how you think about your memory and then tracking what your body is doing with that thought. Am I still tracking right? Mm, let's see if we can clarify that a little bit for your audience. Um, I would say it's it's getting information, like information, like most people know the conscious and they know the right answer. Mm -hmm. right? But how do we get that piece of information into the memory? And when we do that, or orientation, those memories shift and it shifts our perception of ourselves in reality. It, it does so automatically. We don't even have to try to make that happen. It's, it's once that memory of you, once 13 year old Timmy feels the hug, it automatically shifts your reality. It, I gives, you. You some, it gives you something automatically that you've been trying to make happen and you don't have to make it happen because now you, now where it started, it's corrected. Mm -hmm. I got you. So it's not a cookie cutter answer of how to get that piece of information. It's That's very right. So like I, you called out, so my eyes went down to the left. I was able to eyes down to the left, track with that memory and get the hug to myself in that moment. But for somebody else, it might be an entirely different process. Correct. Correct. That's right. I got you. Yeah. And now just to throw another wrench in it, this is just one tool of many, many ones that I use. So we've just given, given one example of one type of tool. <laughs> it's a, it's a framework, but there's, there's more that I pull out of my toolbox to work with people. And it probably goes a little beyond the scope of what we could get into today. Um, but uh, maybe just to touch on one other giant aspect, is, is really understanding family systems and family of origin as how it impacts our identity. <clears throat> okay. The, the, the situation and the environment we grow up in gives us our first imprint of who we are and our parents and their experience and our grandparents' experience and things that are actually in our DNA are still coming into play. And so when we begin to unravel our personal challenges, the next level is we begin to unravel our ancestral challenges, yeah. things that are yeah. still affecting and ways we're honoring our ancestors by repeating painful things that they had to go through. It's called yeah. ancestral inheritance of limiting pattern. And then if, if we wanna keep going even beyond that, we can get into evolutionary influences, things that are common to all human beings that we're struggling with, like, like violence and, you know, um, things that are problems with society, uh, starving, you know, people don't, not getting enough food. Um, we, we all kind of feel like when we get farther enough down the path and sensitive enough, we really start to feel the effects of, of those aspects on us as individuals. But that's that's farther. First, we have to really address our own unique personal challenges. Mm. And that's that state. That's really the first step is to look as an individual from the time of your birth. What have you been struggling with and, and how do you begin to free yourself from those challenges so that you can really live the life you were born to lead? Mm. I love it. Well, guys, if you're listening, I 
I don't have the questions to dive deep enough in the next four minutes <laughs> to really pull more out of that. So we're probably just going to have to leave it there and say, go get the book, The Inside Guide, <laughs> and hit Michael up. There we go. It's on the screen. If you're listening, check it out on YouTube, Instagram. The reel will probably be up there. Um, Michael, Marcy, do you guys have anything else that you guys want to cover real quick before we wrap this up? I'm sure Marcy does. <laughs> well, I just um, want to thank you for having us on. A part of, you know, I know typically you talk about our you know personal goals and steps to take to those goals. And for Michael and I, our life purpose is really to build a community of healthy, uh, you know, love-focused, uh, connected people and, and, and to build this community that I think our society is kind of lacking in now. And I just, I'm so thankful and impressed with uh, the generations uh, because I'm a little bit older like Michael. And so I appreciate, um, you know, the... Uh, where your generation and, and our kids' generation uh, have this almost like inner knowing and are kind of called to some of this work well before Michael and I were at uh, at your ages. So um, we definitely want to spread the message and want to support anyone doing this work. And uh, and our website actually is www.loveguides.us. So it's Love Guides Us. And uh, there's information about uh, retreats and online study groups and uh, our book is on Amazon and we're really excited to get the information out and then to hear feedback because we really are interested in uh, in what is landing and uh, how we could support people using these tools they they really are uh, you know that transformation is available to anyone mm, absolutely I love it well Marcy Kim, oh Kim, I want to say that get the book, read it. But if people want to explore doing some of the work and explore a session, I offer a free intro session. So on the website, there's a way to sign up for a free introductory session. We'll get together for an hour over uh, Zoom or any video face FaceTime. And please, if, if you're at all trying to work through something or you feel like you want to get to the next stage in your life and you just can't clear that thing that seems to be holding you back, please reach out and I'd love to share that more of, of how this can benefit you. Um, and uh, I'm, if, if, if we do that session and it doesn't feel right, then I don't, I'm not a person that's going to keep pushing it, but generally I want to give people an experience uh, for themselves of, of how this can work and how great the work is. So. Yeah. If, uh, if the session goes wrong, you won't be getting an email phone call and text every day from Michael. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, we only we really want, like Marcy said, we want to build a community mostly. And so we really want to support people. Um, but I've worked with hundreds of people over the years. I've worked with corporate corporate work. I've done, you know, business coaching. So um, I'm really confident that that if, you know, most of the time I get people who say, um, you know, I've been to therapy and I'm still stuck. How can I get through this? Right. And so really i i show up for people when they're really ready to have things shift and really ready to get where they want to go in life. Mm. there we go well michael marcy thanks so much for coming on the show thank you so thank much you, Tim. thanks for having us of course and if you guys are listening to this and you loved what michael and marcy had to say loved what they're about make sure to get their book the inside guide buy a copy for you buy a copy for a friend send it to them and yeah go ahead rate review it contact michael and marcy the website will be down in the show notes i'm sure does the website have a link to the book or do i need to put a separate link got a link it does have a link so the website will be down in the show notes best way to contact them there thank you guys so much for watching we will see you on the next one and on that note we're out Hey there, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.